sponsored by LiveRight, publishers of the new book, What's Your Pronoun? Beyond He and She. Author Dennis Barron reveals a century-long untold history of gender-neutral pronouns and how they've established our rights and identities. Available wherever books are sold. Can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? Jig it out. Uh. Oh, you know if you're a 49er fan, you're bouncing to that music right now. Here we go live, back in action, streaming through your internet on Spreaker Radio. This is the 49ers Brawl Podcast, presented by the Brawl Network. My name is Jason Fearman, and sharing the carries with me, my partner, Jacob Barner, JBB. We did it! The 49ers are going, and you are going to Miami Super Bowl 54, baby. How we feeling? Oh, what a time to be alive. Yes, sir. Hey, we are <laughs> going to Miami. We're in the Super Bowl. Man, I I, I can't get over it. I mean, it's just People keep saying it doesn't feel real, man. Like, the start of this year, I had no idea I'd be going to the Super Bowl, and now I am. And of all years to be going... It's the year when the Niners are in it. And they got a great game ahead of us in two weeks' time, right? Bro, just meant to be. It was absolutely meant to be for you to be going to this one. God was working with you, the football gods, however you want to call it, man. That just worked out great. Unbelievable. I'm going to get to see you. Hopefully, we'll get to do a podcast side-by-side, which will be wonderful. Man, great. I mean... Like you said, it's I, I still almost don't believe it, even though I do, because like we talked about, I had so much confidence, and you did as well, going through these playoffs that we were going to get to the Super Bowl, but still, we're there, and I wake up the next morning, and I'm smiling, and I'm still wondering why, and like how, like, we're really there, we really made it, we're back, we're going to the Super Bowl, and it's right in my backyard. If you don't think I'm going to be stalking their hotel rooms for two weeks, you're out of your mind. <laughs> yeah, we had the confidence, but it's one of those things, man. When you're a fan of a team, you all you can think about is what could go wrong, right? I always remember going into the game and I think, oh man, you know, what if someone gets hurt and suddenly we're, you know, we're just out of it. We don't even get a chance. So I'm really happy that we got through, you know, relatively easily, easier than I thought. You know, every, everything you looked at, and we spoke about this before the game. Everything you looked at kind of pointed out the fact that that the Niners should kind of blow them out again. We yeah. were not at our best last time. They were coming off a bye. But there was something that just felt like that couldn't happen, you know, just to the, to the Packers, to Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. But, I mean, sitting pretty at halftime, 27 to nothing. And, I mean, at that point, you're just feeling like, how how has this happened? How how are they up this far yeah. at halftime? And you know, I didn't want to say game over, especially after they kind of got you know got it back a little back into it early. But it felt in the second quarter like we you know we had we had one foot in Miami in Hard Rock Stadium. Yep, I felt the same way, man. Listen, I felt good after. I know we punted on our first possession, but. So to Green Bay, and then once we got the ball back and we went down the field, I, I felt it right away. I'm like, we're going. Look, I was, I'm not superstitious, but I was wearing my gear anyway that I wear every Sunday that I have this year, and it worked out. So I guess I did have a part in it. But really, I took, I can't go superstition aside. I don't get, look, me, I'm sitting on a couch. 
you know, thousands of miles away, I'm not having an effect on the game. So I was saying right away, we got this. We're overpowering them. We're beating them. The line of scrimmage, exactly what you said, by the script, by the numbers, by the stats, by what we've seen earlier this year, the 49ers should have blown them out. And they did the 37 to 20 score. It was even worse than that. All right. It was an absolute beatdown. Like you said, 27, nothing at halftime. We just really got it going quickly. And guys, real quick, I want to tell you again, as we're talking NFL playoffs brought to you by the Brawl Network at NFL Brawl on Twitter. We're going to recap the games, obviously, yesterday. Take a tiny look ahead to the Super Bowl, but we got more shows coming up for you on that. And you can hear us anywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, so on, wherever you get it at. But now it's time to debate, discuss, dissect what we've seen uh, over the past couple of weeks, really uh, the past couple of games yesterday. Uh, the first one was definitely very interesting on the get-go, but we're starting with our boys over here. And like we've been talking about for the past couple of minutes just the dominance that they showed. And right out the bat, I'm going to ask you a question. I know that, again, we match up with them great on paper, and we did on the field, but are you seeing anything out of Aaron Rodgers that tells you that, yeah, he may be going down a little bit. He's not a top-five quarterback anymore, despite him putting up big numbers, albeit when it didn't count. I don't know if it was if it's, if it's was Rodgers or kind of the, the, the lack of weapons he's had. So I do think that does play into it. You know, Devontae Adams, the drop-off after him is unbelievable. So, but let's not forget the kind of defense he was playing against. And I think we force quarterbacks to look like that. You only have to look at the other good quarterbacks we've played. And okay, there's been a few when we were, when we were injured, but we've made good quarterbacks look not that good. And I, I don't think we're going to be able to do the same to Patrick Mahomes. I think we may be able to make him look not as good as usual, but that's still better than pretty much every quarterback out there anyway. And so I don't know if we're ready to kind of say Rodgers is past it. I think he needs some more weapons and let's see again what he can do. You know, at the end of the day, they went 13-3 and got to the NFC Championship. If that's a bad season, then, (laughs) you know, the, the, the only time that's a bad season really is for New England because they're always in the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Right. And let's get real again. He threw, I think, again, it was 26 touchdowns, six picks this year. So I don't believe that. But there's a lot of talk going on about that. You know how we are prisoners of the moment. Oh, Rodgers, you know, he can't do it anymore. He's done. He got blown out again by the 49ers. But no, I still think Rodgers has something left in the tank. And you're right. After Devontae Adams, is a huge drop-off. Speaking of Devontae Adams, he was nowhere to be found in the first quarter. We're doing a great job on him. Yeah, we kind of eased up in the second quarter, I guess, which, uh, excuse me, the second half, which I really don't like. Look, if you're still, keep applying the pressure. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't let them score. Even for a second, people felt like Green Bay were going to get back in the game. So they let up a little bit, and Adams got yeah. hit. I believe it was 138 yards. He had nine catches. So we ended up having a big day, but again, albeit in moments where it really didn't make a difference. Speaking of throwing the ball, let me throw another one at you. Jimmy G, people are getting on him today for throwing <laughs> eight passes. Eight passes. I love it. He I love it. Ryan, he pulled the Ryan Tannehill. He did. There's no doubt about it. But who the freaking hell cares, man? Six of eight for 77 yards. That's all we needed because, again, George Kittle, Mike, excuse me, Kyle Shanahan were all asked after the game, Jacob. Why were you guys running so much? How come you didn't open up the passing game? Well, because the running game was working and they couldn't stop him. Why would you throw the ball? Duh. Exactly. Exactly. Last week, what did we say? I said the good coaches 
if they don't have to throw the ball, they don't want to. Why would you? You're gonna you're ahead, you're gonna you're gonna run the clock down. There's less penalties on run plays than there are pass plays, there's less turnovers on run plays than there are pass plays. So if you have the ability to run the ball and continue to score, <laughs> like you want them to throw, maybe stop st- stop us running. Because there's teams that have done that. There's teams that have absolutely stopped the run. Look at the Arizona Cardinals game. Look at the New Orleans Saints game. Suddenly then, it's like, okay, Jimmy, now we're going to have to get you to do something. And right. in those games, those games, he has shown up and been able to do that. But let's not pretend that we didn't throw because Jimmy wasn't throwing well. He went six of eight. One of those incompletions was a great um, bat down, pass breakup from Kevin King, who I was very impressed with on that play. He's just covering Emmanuel Sanders in the slot and Sanders runs a deep crossing route, pretty much the hardest route to cover in football across the middle through all that traffic, goes stride for stride with him and is able to dive just to knock the ball out. Yeah, I was going to throw a yellow flag on that one, but deservedly, no. great play. Yeah. So you take, so really, really when he was throwing and the other incomplete was on a RPO quick slant and it was again, another good play really. So, when you, when you consider that, when Jimmy needed to do stuff, he did stuff, and they threw it early. He had three three passes on the uh, on the second drive, on the touchdown drive. What couple to Debo Samuel, who was so important today. Oh yeah, not ju- not just with the couple of catches, but the end arounds, and then what the end arounds opened up was you'll notice on some of the big most of its runs. Debo's in motion so they're worried they're thinking about that and then he becomes the lead blocker instead and he does a very very good job lead blocking for Raheem Mostert so hey if we have to run we will run and fair play to Mostert who 82% of the snaps after Tevin you know Tevin Coleman was hurt Breeder got hurt so Mostert had to carry the load and carry the load he did 29 carries 220 rushing yards and four touchdowns. Unbelievable. Just absolutely amazing. Not expected, but he's obviously certainly capable of it. And again, that Packers weak rushing defense, we knew that we could do it, just not as great as we did it. It really was incredible. Averaged uh, somewhere around eight yards a carry, 200 and uh, what was it, 65, 280 yards as a team we had or something like that. It really, it was just, just amazing. And again, back to the Jimmy G thing. So what? It doesn't matter that he only threw eight passes. Look, it, I got into conversations on Twitter with a few guys, you know, we're talking about, well, oh, you know, like, what about like Trent Dilfer? You know, was he a great quarterback? Because I was making the argument that, yeah, you need to have a good quarterback in order to get and win the Super Bowl unless you have a great team around you. And that's not necessarily what Ryan Tannehill had. Jimmy G does. Every other position on that field, every other position is stacked they're great they're great everywhere from the inside out so Trent Dilfer wins the Super Bowl Brad Johnson wins one with Tampa Bay Jeff Hostetler back in the day with the New York Giants look they had great teams and football is the ultimate team sport so it's not just about the quarterbacks even though everybody loves to do that you go with what's working you go with the game plan and that's what happened end of story Green Bay did not adjust the 49ers stuck with the plan and that was it that's the reason why we won other than just remarkable play from everybody out there. And I got to tell you, one guy real quick I was really impressed with who had a great game that I did not expect was Kwan Williams. I mean, yep. that dude, 
came out and he played some ball, man. I mean, he stripped Aaron Rodgers with the forced fumble. We, he had the, uh, I think he had the interception. No, he didn't have the interception. I'm no, wrong no. about that. I apologize. That was Mosley and Sherman at the end of the game. But he was balling out. He led the team in tackles as well. Yeah, we were in nickel 84% of the time. And a lot of that is obviously we were ahead. We knew they were going to have to throw. So we just went, okay, we don't need three linebackers on the field all the time like we did last week. Now we need five DBs on the field all the time. And K1 came in. He stepped up. He played very well. The strip sack was fun. The strip sack was funny because he kind of dies and just swats at the ball. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm great. like, yeah, I'm like, if he misses and Rogers just runs off, I am fuming. <laughs> like, why don't you go for the tackle? But right. he got it, so I'm happy. <laughs> it was funny. But yeah, he played very, very well. Mosley, we got we gotta talk Mosley. The interception. Man, yeah, and let me just give was- you, let me give you credit before you go. You Look, me and you both were on the same page, but you were the first one to bring it up, and you really emphasized that Mosley has got to be the guy in there instead of Witherspoon, and you couldn't have been more right. Yeah, I was really happy. You know, um, yeah, the, the 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 interception was such a smart play from Mosley. He's playing outside. It's a deep cover three. They got trips on the field. The outside guy, he runs. The, he's going to run and start to hitch up. Now, Mosley, rather than keep going deep into no man's land, he does, he just looks for work and he goes, okay, if you're going to hitch up and we've got the outside backer out there, what's my next threat? And number two is running that seam. And cover three, the seams are really that weak spot and Rogers knows this. So that's why he's throwing to it. But luckily, Mosley by that point is starting to break back inside and he just undercuts it absolutely beautifully. And there he just, he was just on the ball, smarter than he. I think he just outsmarted Rogers on that play. And for a, a rookie to be doing that to a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, man, it shows why he should have been on the field. You know, the last few weeks, Keller Witherspoon this week doesn't even get a snap. But shout out to him for taking, as was discussed last week, all of the special teams, all the special team work. And hopefully just shows the good mentality that this team has, the unselfish nature of this team. And that goes back to Jimmy G as well. You know, last week they talked about it and they said, asked him about how he plays. And he said, as as long as we win, I'm, I'm happy because winning is, winning is my job. So I like the fact that he won't care. He threw the ball eight times. He will not care at all. And a lot of those plays were RPOs where he's deciding to hand the ball off there until you adjust to it. And so he's got the exact right mentality for a team like this, that is going to go stretches you know, he ran 11 straight run plays in a row at one point. It's crazy. I mean, George Kittle, another guy who loves to have the ball, of course. We know what he can do with it. One catch. He did not care one bit. He said it was one of the best games and favorite games he ever played of his life. His quotes were something to the tune of, there's nothing like the feeling of pushing another man around and dominating them. He was loving the run game, loving blocking. You know he loves to block. Well, I- yeah, he loves, he loves to block. He... uh there's one play as well. It is one of the few pass plays. And he goes one-on-one with Zadarius Smith in pass yep. pro, and he yep. wins. And you do not see that against a legit pass rusher like Zadarius Smith. Not with a tight end. Normally, that's the kind of play that ends up in a strip sack. You only have to look what happened last week when Jacob Hollister from the Seahawks tried to go one-on-one with one of the Smith brothers, and that ended up in that sack that basically sealed the game so he's such an asset to have in the game is George Kittle on every big run just felt like it was 
being sprung from a kettle and a juice block. Absolutely. Again, domination on both sides of the ball. And again, that's why we were able to run so well. Again, most of 220 yards, four touchdowns. And yes, I did play him in DraftKings Fantasy. So cha-ching! Thank you very much on that one. Yeah, you're right. And again, so Tevin Coleman goes out with the elbow. Matt Breedy, he's also hurt, but he's also not playing because he's got his fumbling issues that he's got to work on. So that's another story going in two weeks from now. Is Tevin Coleman going to be healthy? Funny how we're talking two weeks ago about uh, we don't want this guy to carry the ball, and now we kind of need him to back up Mostert. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, we'll see. Um, Again, Emmanuel Sanders, nowhere to be found, but – that's okay. Debo did his thing, like you said, especially with the end of Rams and your point before where I was going. And I've been talking about this since we started doing the show together. What the 49ers do before the ball is snapped, all that motion confusing the defense. They got no idea where the ball is going. And it worked again yesterday. It worked absolutely beautifully. What they did on offense was just mwah, pure, pure perfection. <laughs> yeah, the the Niners. I, I believe we have motion on seventy nine percent of of offensive plays, which leads the NFL. It's 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 just beautiful That's to watch. Do. That's what we do. And then on defense, I mean, mm. I mean, we can go back and forth talking about it all day. But we had our three sacks. Not easy to sack. Rogers, Bosa, Armstead, and Williams all had one. Uh, Williams again with the strip sack. But we still pressured him all day, all night long. He could not get an accurate pass off in the first half. To save his life. We were all over him and hurries and knockdowns, whatever you want to call it. But we did our job against him again, not having to blitz. The secondary played great. Just an all around incredible effort. And look, people stopped watching after the first half. I had a whole bunch of texts. Congratulations on going to the Super Bowl. You know, I'm going to go watch something else. And I'm like, you go ahead and watch whatever the hell you want. I'm going to sit here in my glory and just smile for the next hour and a half. It just unbelievable. What a what a game. And you know what? Against Minnesota, very similar. They played a near-perfect game against them, too. It wasn't their best game, but you can see, again, the progression of how they keep playing well. And one other thing that you said before that you alluded to, this is a team that cares about each other. They love each other. You saw the hugging afterward, and you're right. Guys like Witherspoon, who's willing to go on special teams, and guys who are willing to take less of a role in a certain game based on a game plan and concede to another guy. Just absolutely fantastic. What a team effort. Yeah, it was. It, it, it really, really was. We go back to the sacks. That first sack that Bosa and Buckner kind of combined on, that was re- a really great job because we, we talked about how we needed them to be disciplined, not just for the screen game, but they needed to be disciplined in not trying to rush too far upfield. And Bosa does a great job of matching Rogers' depth. And Rogers, he want, then starts to want to roll out. He looks one way and D Ford is basically closing the door there. So he has to go backwards and backwards and he's not able to just step up in the pocket because Buckner is then applying the pressure up the middle and it eventually goes back and gets sacked for 13 yards. That was a huge play. And that really, I think, started to, to set the tone. You know, that was a play where they'd gone empty and it basically stops them from doing it too much after that because they realized you needed the extra guy in there to chip and to help with the blocks there. So that made it made a very big difference, I do think, for sure. A surprising stat we've got here, you were, when we think how much the Niners ran the ball and how much they dominated in the run game, the, the Packers actually had more time of possession. Yeah, they did. That's right. Which, yeah. That's- I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how. It was crazy. I know we had a couple kind of three and outs late in the game. 
where it kind of didn't matter so much. But discipline, going back to discipline, that that really was the was the difference. The Niners didn't turn the ball over. They only had two penalties. Green Bay turned it over three times and have six penalties. It just it just made a huge difference, and it really felt like everything kind of just went against Green Bay. As soon as they have their first good drive where they started to do kind of their best Niners impression, really, four runs in a row, and they started to move the ball pretty well. I started to think, okay, do you know what? They could, they, you know, they could get back into this. And as soon as they look dangerous, what happens? Fumbled snap, and DeForest Buckner is able to jump on that. And that was a really lucky break for the Niners, and that's just going to suck the life out of you as a team. If you're Green Bay and you finally move it down the field, and then suddenly that happens. It's that's that's got that's a real killer for your kind of mood and and how you really feel about the game. They had right? a few deflating plays in, in that game, and uh, you know, like you mentioned, Forty Nine is so disciplined, only with the two penalties. One of them was actually on purpose. Uh, they they did another Belichick label uh, type of thing mm-hmm. with the punt deal, so that was kind of fun. And um, yeah, the Packers with the six the, the six penalties they had were pretty crucial. Uh, you know, one especially the defensive holding on third down to keep the Forty Nine ers drive going, on which they scored a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, that was another huge one. So being disciplined is another tremendous thing. The 49ers don't beat themselves. And that's another thing that we've talked about on this show. They don't beat themselves. And that's huge. If you're not turning the ball over, which they don't, Jimmy G, again, has gotten much better with it. We're not fumbling the ball. We're doing a great job. And as a defense, we're getting turnovers and taking those times opportunistic and we're putting the ball in the end zone or at worst getting three points out of it. But they have been an opportunistic defense and on offense. Again, it just seems that every play that they run works. It really does. There's a hole everywhere. Roaster, most roaster, listen to me, most with his one cut bang. He can run you over. He can run past you. It's just a team that, I haven't. This is not like a 49er team that I've really ever seen, to be honest with you, to be so heavy on the run, such a great defense, which we've had in the past. But, you know, a quarterback who doesn't light up the lights, you know, he's not one of those guys. But again, this is just such a great team that it reminds me of those Ravens teams back in 2000 or even the Bucks in 2002. It's just a team that loves each other, gets it well coached, knows how to play knows how to win and has been battle tested through the season. Yeah. And I, while we were on, on about the penalties and how they kind of, you know, there's a couple third down ones that then led to touchdowns. I do think that the Niners were lucky on that rough in the passer on Jimmy G. I think he does fall over another own lineman essentially. And so I thought they, we kind of got a couple of lucky breaks like that, but for sure, you know, every, every single play you look at it and, it was just, it was just sucking the life out out of the Packers, and every time we get a run for six, seven yards, and hey, there was a couple of plays where shoestring tackles away from like sixty, seventy yard sure. touchdowns. There was one, Debo had one that was very, very close. Most uh, could have had even more if not for a, a, a close, close shoestring tackle. Talking about Tevin Coleman, the the latest update. Apparently, the elbow was actually fine. And it was the shoulder that forced him to stay out. Uh, sounds like it could be a labral tear in the shoulder. So something he could possibly play through in the coming weeks. But we'll have to see for an update on that. It was uh, an elbow apparently 
did did hyperextend, but wasn't what caused him to go out of the game, actually. Right. Even so, Kyle, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan had said that if he needed to, he would have put Coleman back in the game had he needed to. So, you know, with that being said, you're probably right. It looks like we're going to have him uh, in a couple of weeks down here in Miami. So that's a good Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 would, I, I would think we, we would. I would imagine the, the plan will still be to, to lean on most uh, shoulder injuries from running backs are not great. You know, they tend to then not want to go through contact. It can certainly give a running back fumbling issues. We've seen that in the past with running backs with shoulder injuries. So, uh, if we could stay away from it, would obviously be great. And I, I thought the play, what he got injured on, was actually a very, very nice play. They run a nice misdirection where Juszczyk and the entire line basically looks like it's going to run a stretch to the right. The linebackers get influenced just enough and then Juszczyk comes back, cut, cut blocks the end who had essentially been left unblock on the stretch play and Coleman goes up and it's, if not for the D lineman who basically puts an arm out to trip him up as he's, as he's falling over, Coleman's in the end zone there. And it's, it was unfortunate that he essentially got hurt trying to use his arm and shoulder to, to stay right. up and get as many yards as possible. But it was unfortunate. He goes out, Mostert comes in and scores the touchdown immediately, funnily enough. And yeah, at that point, we realized, right, we really do need to... At that point, it was funny because I thought maybe we won't run it so much because we know you don't want to now burn most out because he's basically the only one carrying the ball so it was interesting that we ran the ball even more after that but we go into the half 27 to nothing up and the Packers third quarter came out pretty hot really they won an 11 play drive 10 of which were passes so the game plan clearly there was look we need to extend this game as as much as possible and they're able to get all the way down there and then a, a a nice quick play to Aaron Jones through the air. They're able to take it in for nine yards for a touchdown. But the issue with that play, with that drive is it was really good and they scored, but it took them nearly seven minutes. And when you're down 27 points, it's just, that unfortunately just isn't going to cut it. I, I, we talk about how don't get away from a game plan if you're a running team and you're down. But at the point where you're down 27 points, a seven-minute drive is really not what you need. I know you need points, but you need them quicker than that, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, I was thinking the same exact thing. I'm like, okay, they score, but I'm like, wow, look how much time they took off the clock. And a lot of that I'm going to attribute to the 49ers defense. Look, they are not even a bend-and-break defense. They're, we're just going to break you in half kind of defense. So I think that the Packers, again, having that in mind, were maybe a little bit safer with their play calling, maybe a little bit more um, – you know, elaborate with what they were trying to do to try to confuse the 49ers. And they did it. It it worked out. But again, for knowing that you're down 27 points and you have to score a touchdown in like the next three minutes, four minutes tops, they couldn't do that. And again, I attribute a lot of that to the 49ers defense and being able to hold them till that point. So again, good point on, on both sides of that. But yeah, the game is already over at 27 and seven. And then we all know what happened toward the end. So I mean, that really was that. Again, this is the 49ers uh, Brawl podcast brought to you by the Brawl Network. Check us out at 49ers Brawl on Twitter and at NFL Brawl, part of the whole family over there. Now we're looking to go to win our sixth Super Bowl in our seventh try. If we do win, 
And we're going to talk about the Chiefs and 49ers matchup uh, a little bit today, but more on in later podcasts during this week. But the 49ers going for number six. Kansas City hasn't even been to the Super Bowl in 50 years when Hank Stram did a 65 power trap. You want to talk about running. They ran the ball all freaking day against Minnesota and they won that game. No problem. So who do you think was happy that day? The chiefs or the Vikings? Thank you very much. So <laughs> we can run the ball 70 times. I don't really care. All right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. For the chiefs, the 49ers haven't won one in 25 years. They were there. In uh, the 2012 season, as we all know, lost 34-31 to the Ravens. I would like to forget that, but we are back, and we got a big battle to look forward to. And uh, unless we have anything left to close out with uh, the ins and outs of the Niners game in the NFC, we can hop over to the AFC if you'd like, Jacob. Uh, yeah, well, I've got just a couple more things. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Richard Sherman, actually. You know, the the – First play of the game. It was funny. It seemed to confuse everybody. Oh, oh, Sherman's on the on yeah. the right side of the field. I found defense. that really interesting right away. I, I thought it was more of a head game than anything because he went to the left. But yeah, good call. It was funny. Everybody on Twitter. It was like it was like breaking news. Sherman's right. on the right side of the defense, <laughs> <laughs> and then he basically barely did it again. I don't know if they just went. If it was just right, we're going to do this first yeah. play and let. Give them something to think about. Let them think, oh, if Sherman's here, we're going to do this and that. And then really he kind of uh, then stayed back on the left. In fact, he's only been on the right side of the defense three plays all season, actually. And so uh, it's. He, I thought he did. Uh, he wasn't targeted until very late in the game. There was a deep play to Devontae yeah. Adams where he, he did. He just oh, got yeah, Adam, Sherman. Yeah. Oh, Adams flat out had like two or three yeah. yards easy. Yeah, absolutely. And Sherman kind of gets his redemption on the pick at, right at the end. Now, the pick, I mean, you know, he was just, it was a great dive and catch for sure, but it was, you know, he just, he was overthrown. It wasn't a, uh, a particularly good throw. Uh, but, you know, what Sherman not traveling sparked a little bit of something on Twitter with a, another former Super Bowl winner, uh, Darrell Rivas, who took to Twitter to say, I'm a, I'm a quote this right here. Fear of getting beat in man-to-man coverage, every snap, every play. The fact he doesn't travel as a cornerback is lame. Accept the challenge as the best and shut Adams down in the entire game. Do it for the game of football. Stop hiding a cover three zone. Hmm. Sherman Sherman took, you know, kind of got back into it and just said, yeah, I would go in on this, but I've got a Super Bowl to prepare for. Enjoy the view from the couch. (laughs) Your ninth year looked a lot different than this. (laughs) And so... My question is like it's no doubt that corners that shadow and can shut down a receiver for the entire game are, are hugely valuable. I suppose my question to you is would you rather have the Sherman who locks down a side of the field, or would you rather have the Revis Island shutting down a specific player? It's not as easy a question as one would think. Now, I will tell you my answer is I'd rather have the traveling corner. I'd rather have the Deion Sanders, the Darrell Rivas, the Aqib Tlaib, whoever, you know, the guys who go to the best receiver every game. Because in a lot of games, there's really one top tier receiver and the rest kind of fall off a little bit. So I do appreciate that more. That shows more gravitas, whatever you want to call it. And it shows that you can play anywhere. But I'm going to say this. There are certain defenses that are run, and obviously it was run in Seattle where it all started, 
And I played cornerback myself, whether it was in high school or even on flag football teams for that matter, where we would always stick to one side because we knew our responsibilities. So I understand that. And look, I don't think I've ever seen anybody better than Sherman holding down a side. So if you know that Sherman can hold down one side, you only got to worry about the other side of the field where you can double, um, you know, you can play over under coverage, whatever it may be. So I'm okay with that. But yes, if I had a, you know, proverbial gun to my head, I would definitely take the corner who can travel because that means that you're covering the best wide receiver on every single play and the offense can't dictate where the ball's going to go. Yeah, I think in this defense, the 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 player that can can travel and shut down that receiver like that is almost a little bit wasted, really, in what they're able to do. Because the Niners play so much cover three that having someone who can just play cover three really, really well with a good safety is is hugely valuable. And you you maybe don't get that same value out of a out of a Revis, or you get the same value, but it's not the same value you'd get out of him if you were kind of like a like the Lions defense or a heavy man-to-man and they they just want to shut down that receiver so that's when you kind of get a bit more value out of it but I would certainly think I, I would agree but at the end of the day H Sherman does what he does and it's been very very successful yeah. and other corners may not like it but at the end of the day what who are they who are they to argue yeah. Something else on Sherman's side, he's been good or better for a lot longer than, than Revis has. Revis had his two or three shining years, but Sherman's been around now for nearly a decade doing his thing. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's certainly been very good for, for a lot of time. And I'm very, very glad that he's, you know, got back to maybe not exactly where he was, but he had those injury issues and really wasn't quite at the same place he used to be and this season he's certainly shown up especially in the postseason um, I do Jacob, remember let me ask you real quick how did you feel when he became a 49er oh man I was conflicted that's what it was that's the yeah. word conflicted <laughs> because I I didn't like him in Seattle because he ran his mouth a lot you know there's a few Seahawk players who I really like Earl Thomas was one of them uh but Sherman and Cam were two I very much didn't right. like. But the fact that he came to the Niners kind of, you know, it was it started to become water under the bridge. It felt weird at first, but then I realized you're going to have that guy running his mouth at the Seahawks yeah. instead of against us. And it kind of felt like he had a little bit of that chip on his shoulder about not being in Seattle anymore. And he was able to come to the Niners. So he could play them twice a year. It definitely took, took some time, but I knew how good he was. And part of the reason, other reason, you know, Niners didn't like him was because he was so good against sure. us. And sure. so, you know, we could all pretend that it's, it's for other reasons, but that there's definitely a, a small to huge part of it. That is because, he, he destroyed yeah, us, very you know, true. and so, and so when you realize you, you have a chance to get that, I think, yeah, you've got to forget it pretty quickly. I'm certainly glad he's a 49er yeah, right well, now. There you go. He is, and he's with us wearing that number 25. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, 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 no, you're good. No, no, no. 
you good. Uh, one final thing I wanted to do. I want to give out some game awards. Oh, great call. I was thinking of that too. Excellent. Let's do it. So the ones I got, I mean, MVP, I feel like is, is pretty, pretty easy. Uh, it's almost too easy, really, for, for Mr. Mostert, Raheem, yeah. Raheem the Dream. I got him down as MVP, uh, but I want a defensive player of the game. I think I know who you're going to pick, but I'm going to let you pick. Well, yeah, I think you're right, knowing who I'm going to pick. And I already mentioned him before. He had a huge game, and that's Kwan Williams. I love what he did leading the team in tackles, the strip sack for a fumble. I, he was all over the place, and... Again, you talked about him when we played that nickel package for most of the game, and he was a guy who was sorely needed in that package, and he did what was asked to do. So he's my defensive MVP. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I, that's that's certainly the one that I would be picking. Uh, the next one I've got is key blocker of the game. So obviously most of it did a lot of work. He did a lot of work on the ground. But, hey, there was some of that time where it's because he wasn't touched by the time he was 10 yards downfield. The offensive line did a great job. George Kittle and Carl Juszczyk both also did a great job. And I'm going to, for me, I think the best blocker and the most important blocker in this game for me was Juice. Carl Juszczyk, he absolutely destroyed it and was able to make so many key blocks. And him and Mostert were just on the same page. Mostert knew where he was going to be and had the great vision. And I think without Juszczyk, as well as George Kittle, I think Mostert doesn't have half as many yards as he did. Well, I think that makes a hell of a lot of sense, and there is no argument coming from over here. But I'm going to go with a different guy. They ran to the right a lot last night, and Mike McGlinchey was that right tackle. And... That, I mean, he didn't have to protect the pass a lot, but he did his job by either whether it was cutting it in the inside so Mostert could run out or chipping him outside so Mostert could run inside. So I really liked what McGlinchey did last night. Really the entire offensive line for the 49ers. You can't find fault with anybody. <laughs> Again, I mean, barely any penalties. They all did their job. check is definitely a fantastic answer. Debo Samuel could be even another answer. Kittle could be an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give credit to McGlinchey in this game. I really like what he did. I certainly like that for sure. I certainly like that. Uh, final few. What was your favorite offensive play of the day? So many memorable. Wow, ones. my favorite offensive play of the day. Wow, I'm gonna have to say Debo Samuel running down the sideline, not wanting to be touched, and if he was, then too bad for you because you're gonna get hurt. I just love when he has the ball in his hands, even though it wasn't a touchdown. The way that he runs and the way he refuses to go down, that guy gets me so happy. So on that end of round when he was taking it down the sideline, to me that was my favorite play just because of the way it worked out and the and who he is. So that was my favorite play other yeah. than any of the touchdowns. Yeah, for me, I think I've got to go with – I'm going to go with the first most at touchdown. The reason for this was just the – the play call at the time, I think I put a tweet out about it. You know, one, one second into this play, I'm thinking, right, it's third and right. eight. What are we running for, right. you know? But what I really liked about it was, I don't know if it was a call on the field or that was just designed, but they they clearly saw something they liked. Uh, they run the trap, the trap play, the kick out was beautiful. And the thing you'll notice, the corners, tw- 20 yards downfield are still covering receivers because everybody's assuming it's going to be yeah. a pass and so the dbs are so influenced by that as soon as most gets past the first level he is absolutely gone and it just set the tone beautifully for the day for me 
Um, so I've got to go with that one. But finally, we're going to go favorite favorite defensive play of the day. Favorite defensive play of the day. Um, it's hard not to go with that Williams play right there. But uh, let me see if I can think of a different one. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to go with your boy. I'm going to go with Mosley. I'm going to go with that knockdown that he got when he came up. He flew in the air and he knocked that ball down, tipped it, which would have been a definite first down uh, for Green Bay. Mm-hmm. That He just looked remarkable doing that. So athletic. What an athletic play. So th- that that's definitely up there as my one or two. Yeah, I like that. That was, that was a great call. It's a great, great play. My other one, I'm going to go again very early in the game. In the first few plays, the Packers kind of look, okay, they, they move the ball. You know, Aaron Jones gets it for nine yards. They then get a little quick pass for Devontae Adams. They get third and three, and they throw a little quick flare out to Jamal Williams. And Dre Greenlaw, really, in open space against Jamal Williams, it's a tough play to make. But not only does he make the tackle, he forces him back. He starts off, starts the contact one yard shy of the first down, and he makes sure that it's as far as it goes. And... That, again, just like the touchdown, I felt really set the tone. It really stopped them in their tracks and said, right, Niners are going to get the ball here now. And the second pl- and the next drive after that, we score. So that was a really important play to make sure we didn't go behind. And I think if they had got that play, then I really think they could have gone ahead. And who knows how the game goes then. So that's my play for for me. Dre Greenlaw, who I think has done an outstanding job in place of quality. And I think that's a great call because that's one of the plays that absolutely sticks out to me. I remember getting up and just saying 57, baby. That was an unbelievable play by by a rookie that we got in the fifth round. You're right. Absolutely fantastic job stopping him short. That was great. No no doubt. We we made every play when we needed it. And going back to that Raheem Mostert touchdown that you talked about, the first one, he wasn't even touched. So I don't – again, I'm not sure – if that was an audible or not, I didn't see Jimmy uh, G audible out of anything. But if that call just came from Kyle Shanahan and he saw that before anything, wow. That just, again, shows you what a master he is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He was the only one there thinking, let's run a trap play here. So <laughs> great job there from Kyle Shanahan. 65 power Certainly, trap. Uh... 65 power trap. Oh, he had Hank Stram in his mind right there. He knew what he was doing. He knew it. Uh, <laughs> absolutely so yeah that's it from me really on this game I think yeah, it went so well uh, I, even in the second half even when they kind of came back into it I was a little bit worried but another huge play that that Robbie Gold field goal to, to go 10 nothing up the 56 or 58 yarder that was that yes was it was it, yes didn't give them a good field position etc and so yeah, it really was a good performance. Not perfect, but it was a great, good, very good performance. And so, you know how much you know uh, how much I hate field goal kicking. But when 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 Robbie went out there and made that first one, that over fifty yard, and he thumped it good. He hit kicked it real. I'm like, oh, we're good. We're good for tonight. If we need field goals, he's on it. No problem. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When we had to get the chip shot later on, you felt no pressure whatsoever. So that was a great job, but. There's another team we're going to be playing who was in action as Oof. well last last night. And, you know, they, funnily enough, kind of had a little bit of an opposite start to the game. They didn't start off so well. And that's the Kansas City Chiefs, who went down 10 nothing to the Tennessee Titans. But, I mean, as as we said last week, the, the Titans, you know, they want to be ahead and they want to run the ball. And, boy, did they do that in the first half. Derek Henry, he was pounding the rock so well 
But if there's ever a team built to come from behind, it's the Kansas City Chiefs down again, again, winning by halftime. And by that point, it almost felt over because the Kansas City Chiefs were so dominant in offense. They did such a good job. And yeah, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Don't get me wrong. A real tough team to beat. But what did you make of this game? We'll be breaking down that matchup for sure coming up. But um, oh yeah, gosh, yeah, and yeah. I mean, look, I'm not a Chiefs fan, obviously, but I was sitting back when the score was 17 to seven. I'm like, this is a joke. This is no problem. They're coming back just like they did last week. Um, the big thing to me was before even getting to Casey's offense, which in the second quarter has been the best offense all year long. They have more points by I think about like 150 points than anybody else in the second quarter. That's where they do their damage. Now. Everything again. They were up at halftime. Um, I believe it was twenty-one seventeen, if if memory serves. But when they, and Derrick Henry, like you said, was destroying them. What happened in the second half? He was nowhere to be found, and that's not just because uh, the Chiefs had gone up and scored another touchdown. They were still sticking with their game plan. Tennessee. They were running, but Derrick Henry stopped moving. He wasn't going anywhere. Chris Jones, when he was in, was a huge impact on defense. And that's really what won them the game. Their changes at halftime, their adjustments, whether it came from Andy Reid or it came from Spagnola, I'm not sure where it came from, the defensive coordinator, but they switched it up. They stopped Henry, and Tannehill did not have enough in his passing arsenal to win that game. Yeah, that I mean, that's exactly it. The, the, they did stick with the run, and... The Chiefs really did well. It was a sloppy start. They were undisciplined. I think Frank Clark jumped offside a couple of times. Uh, a player that stuck out to me, and we called his name last week, it's Tyron Matthew. Yeah. He was everywhere. In fact, him and Sorensen, the safety, the tandem, they both played very, very well. Matthew was seemed to be everywhere. There's a good, a nice play where they f- throw it out to, to Henry on a little swing. And Matthew is there immediately to knock him down. And he just looked like he was having fun. And isn't that one you want from your players out there? Just having fun, having the time of their life. And, you know, the thing about Matthew is that, you know, when he started out in his NFL career, it was a little bit iffy. They weren't sure where to play him. They weren't sure where he fit and whatnot. But, man, he's turned into one hell of an NFL player. And, yeah, you saw the elation in his face. He was so happy and he was having fun. And he's become maybe the backbone of this defense when you talk about the secondary, especially. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I say, him and Sorison, they both played so well. And then we can look at the offense. You know, Travis Kelsey had his huge game last week. Not as much as a factor, but the name we did call out, who did have a huge play plays when he did touch the ball, was Tyreek Hill. Whether it was rushing the ball, whether it was catching the ball, he was um, he he had the speed and he made some clutch, clutch catches, and he certainly helped out Mahomes. Add the Damian Williams, not just on the ground, but in the air. And then once they did start to go ahead, and there's a few times, you know, a couple of times they do just start running it with Damian Williams, and they they really were able to to extend a couple of drives off the back of him. And that's not something we've seen too much out of them. So it's someone definitely to work, look out for. All right, he only had 45 yards in this one. But he had another 44 through the air. So he really can do a bit of everything when it comes to the running back Look, position. let me tell you, man, I guess great minds really do think alike because you took all the words right out of my mouth. There's not much for me to add on to that because 
while he didn't have huge numbers, like we talked about 44 receiving, 45 rushing, they were all in key moments of the game. And again, his versatility being able to come out of the backfield and catch passes from the best quarterback in the league. Let's not kid ourselves. Patrick Mahomes is a huge thing. And then you got Hardman with his speed. Watkins had an unbelievable game yesterday. Tyree Kill, who we talked about. Travis Kelsey. But yeah, that game, it wasn't... Look, of course, it was a Patrick Mahomes game. Let's not get crazy. I mean, 294 yards, three touchdowns. But I felt that Damian Williams was the most important guy in that game on offense. I felt like he came through in the biggest key moments and no LaShawn McCoy to back him up, no nothing. He he went out there and he he did it. He played the game. I give him the game ball on offense. Yeah, he did very, very well. Yeah, and it's funny. I, I, it, it might be because we're so used to Mahomes being incredible. Yeah. The 294 and three touchdowns is like, yeah, maybe you weren't the best player this right. time. It's unbelievable. He He's had an incredible season since coming back from his injury. Uh, he's going to be a tough guy to stop, that's for sure. That he really is, but they have got that asset where they can run the ball with Damian Williams. But I, I'm not too worried about that. You know, I'm more worried about the aerial sure. attack, and it certainly will be interesting to see because they have got speed. That's for sure. That's the one thing they really do have is speed, and it's going to be interesting when players are lined up on Sherman's side. How much cushion does he give them? Because uh, we saw at one point the Titans were giving a lot of cushion and then Hill, Watkins, uh, Miko, they just go, okay, they run the comeback route and they're good for 12 yards. And so you've got to be careful because you don't want to get beat deep, but you certainly don't want to just be giving up 12 yards every time because Mahomes will find that. And there's a couple of times where he looked like he was the game, you know, it should have been a sack. He rolls out, they come back to the ball and, and he's able to get out of there. You know, they only got got him down on the ground twice for two uh, for sacks. And it was a tough one because it felt when they brought pressure, he, he beat them over the top. And when they didn't bring pressure, he was able to have long enough to, to beat them. And hey, he had 53 rushes himself. Yeah. That's certainly something to look out for. The week before, he was also really good with his legs. And that touchdown carry was oh unbelievable. Was, for 27 wow. First of all, it, look, bad on Tennessee because that was some of the worst tackling I've seen in a long time. They should have stopped him, no problem. But his will to yes. not give up and get in that end zone was was beautiful. And you got to love Patrick Mahomes. Look, he's a great guy. Everybody loves playing for him because you know what? He gives the ball to everybody. He spreads that ball around. Just like Rodgers used to do back in the day, he would give it to guys you never heard of, people who just woke up out of bed and put on a uniform. So he's great. They love playing for him. Kelsey loves him. Speaking of Kelsey, we're going to break down this game, obviously, a lot going through the you know the next couple of weeks until Super Bowl Sunday. We have time on that. So we're not going to go too much into this, but the 49ers haven't seen anybody like Travis Kelsey this year. That is what I'm worried about, what they're going to do with him because he's at at worst their second leading uh, receiver behind Tyreek Hill you know he's getting the ball what do you do with him that's going to be really interesting there's a lot of ways but that's a guy that the 49ers look we've seen receivers we've seen running backs we have not seen a tight end like him except George Kittle who is on our team so if anything I would have Kittle playing a lot of scout tight end this week that's what I was going to say. We may have not seen anyone like him in games, but I'll tell you who they see five times a week in practice, 
is someone exactly yeah. like him. So I, it's, it, you know, it's not having to go out and find that person that can imitate him or whatever. They've got him right there. And so they're very much used to playing against someone like him because they do it every single week. It might not be the same scheme they're playing against, but they certainly have been able, had to face him, you know, three, four, five times a week, every week for the past six months or so. As, so, you, as you know, they're going against the sec, the scout team defense and, 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 you know, vice versa and everything. It's, it's not, it's rare that the first teams get together and ever even hit each other. They do walk through. So what your point is, is well, is well taken. There's no doubt about it, but I think that George Kittle's going to really have to actually really just play scout offense for the most part as the tight end. I mean, yeah, he's going to have to do his, you know, go through his due diligence um, with the 49ers game plan or whatnot, but they, I just Travis Kelsey to me seems like the biggest problem in that game. Not Tyreek Hill, not Pat Mahomes, not Damian Williams. I, I'm very worried about Kelsey. See, I'm more worried about Tyreek. I, I, the speed, the speed scares me, especially if we are gonna play a lot of cover three. If he's able to beat people off the line, Jimmy Ward's will have a tough day. You know, he's gonna have to be very rangy to be able to help out on the outside of, you know, outside the numbers on, on a deep route. And so it's going to be interesting as, as, as we were talking about it going into the playoffs, the, the teams that scared me were the quarterbacks that were able to scramble as well. And Mahomes has been doing that every time he's seen man coverage basically. And so I expect us to play a lot of zone uh, for a number of reasons. I, I, don't want Mosley or Sherman manned up against Tyreek Hill or Miko Hardman or Sammy Watkins particularly. I, I think that's a hard, hard matchup for them. And so let's use the use the space and the help over the top to your advantage. But it also has everybody's eyes looking back at Mahomes, looking back into the center of the field. And so if he does want to scramble, we can rally to him a lot. It's something they did a fair bit with Lamar Jackson and all right, he was able to rush the ball quite a lot on designed run plays and option plays but scrambling they kind of did a better job of 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 rallying to him and you saw russell wilson really the plays he hurt us on were man coverage plays where he then able just took off because everybody's not looking back at him everyone's looking at their threats instead and so i'd like to see us run quite a lot of of zone but that's, I suppose, where Kelsey does come back into it because if there's a player that can find holes in zones better than anybody, that is Travis Kelsey. And so I suppose by taking away the other two threats, you somewhat open up the one that you're most scared about, and that's Kelsey. Yeah, and that and that's the big problem. There's so many guys to be scared about, and the guy throwing them the ball is the best in the game right now. Look, this is let's not look, we're not gonna sugarcoat this. This is by far our toughest matchup of the year, maybe excluding Baltimore at the time, even though that was a close game. They're going to throw everything at us, including the kitchen sink. They really are, and we have to be so prepared for it. We are going to have to change our defense up a little bit, and I'm with you. we got to play zone. we got to have our eyes on the quarterback. And with Mahomes, look, when he gets to the outside, you really don't know if he's going to throw, if if he's going to run, because he's been running more lately. So you don't want to commit to him when you think he's going to run, and then he's going to have one of those where he dumps it to Kelsey where half of his foot is over the line. Uh, you know, over the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's just so athletic and could do so many things. It's a good thing that we are, again, 
We have our fresh legs. We got guys to rotate in and out because we're going to have to have all the quickness in the world to keep up with him. It's going to be one hell of a matchup. But another thing, Kansas City has not seen a defense like ours. That's another thing. You don't get to Patrick Mahomes with four guys. We can do it. Are we going to sack him? Like I said, when we were talking about with Russell Wilson during that game, I don't know. But all we got to do is keep him off balance. But yeah, another thing, you mentioned Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes can reach him 65 yards down the field. No problem. We're going to have to play whatever you call, whether it's the cover three or just have two safeties back, whatever it is, we're going to have to play that zone and have to make sure that we're not getting beat over the top. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be a tough one. It certainly is. But I think what they do well, we do well. You know, they throw the ball well. We've got one of the best pass coverage defenses in the league. And and we run the ball so well. And they they can't stop the run very well. Okay, they did a good job second half against Derrick Henry. That's for sure. And they've been better recently. But I think the Niners rushing attack is very different to the Titans rushing attack. completely different design and so i think it will be a lot harder for them to stop that and as with pretty much all these games in the playoffs the the start will be hugely important Mm -hmm. because we know kyle will happily run it 11 times in a row if you can't stop it and keep you on the side you know keep Mahomes on you know what jacob they're gonna have to run it 11 times in a row a few times throughout the game maybe not 11 but they're gonna have to keep again we talked about this with tennessee matchup keeping Mahomes on the sideline, keep that offense on the sideline. So, yeah, let's run. Let's pound. I doubt that Jimmy G is only going to have eight passes in this game. I'm sure it's going to be more than that. But you know what? If that's what it is, I'm perfectly fine with it. Whatever is working, keep doing it. We know the Chiefs don't have a good rushing defense. They made their adjustments against Tennessee yesterday. Good for them. I they, they Like you said, we have a totally different run scheme. It's a zone scheme. You don't know where it's coming from. You guys got you. We have guys moving in the backfield, left and right, all over the place. They don't know what we're doing. So I feel confident in the fact that we can run the ball on them and we can connect on our short passes that are seven to 10 yards, 12 yards. And that's all we need to keep the clock going and to keep Mahomes on the sideline. That's the key. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get a proper full breakdown of this in the in the coming week for sure there's so so much to get to but yeah championship weekend it did did not disappoint at all nope. i could only kind of half enjoy the chiefs game because i was thinking too much about the niners game but uh how good has this playoffs been man so so good i've enjoyed this i don't know if it's just because the niners have been doing so well but i think that these playoffs have been so much fun you know, you've had upsets. You've had, you know, the Titans get into the AFC Championship overtime game. Overtimes. Ah, I love overtimes in the postseason. So it's really been a great, great playoffs. And I think we've got a great game to finish the playoffs off with. But I certainly enjoyed it so much, haven't you? Uh, you kidding me? I've loved it. It's been an, an amazing playoffs. And yeah, let's not kid ourselves. The 49ers being in it and, you know, winning and going this far does have a lot to do with it. Let me ask you this question, because I wouldn't have said this for one team going into the playoffs. But do you think that these are the two best teams left in the NFL? <sighs> That's a tough question. I, I, 
It's not like last season. Last season, I thought that the Pats and the Rams were definitely not the, the best two teams left. I know Baltimore had that rough game against the Titans, against the Titans, but it's hard not to consider them the, the best team in football. Casey is certainly up there with them. And it's really hard with the Saints as well. I think the Saints were probably the best team in the NFC just about. And and they got knocked out. So I think they're definitely both top two on in their conferences. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Whether they're the best, I'm not too sure. It's it's very, very tight. You only have to look at the Niners Saints game to to see that. And so it's about as tight as it could be. I'd probably have the NFC one tied and maybe Baltimore slightly ahead of Kansas City. Yeah, you see, I'm with you on, on, on the Baltimore one. I'm wondering if uh, if they would have played, who would have won that game. I'm really not sure, especially because it would have been in Baltimore. But, uh, yeah, they had a major hiccup, a major layover. They apparently were not ready for that game. So uh, in the division around against Tennessee, talking about the Baltimore Ravens now. But I would fully expect to see them back next year as long as Lamar Jackson can stay healthy. So that is a big question. Hopefully he doesn't take those enormous hits. He he did it well this year. Let's see if he could do it again. But, um, yeah, that's how I thought that we were going to play. I said it was going to be a 49ers-Ravens Super Bowl. But you know what? We got the Chiefs, and I don't know if I'm any happier about that because they're a hell of a team, man. So, yeah, we're going to break it down. We got a few more things to break down. Um, We can get – if you want to go a little more into the uh, Tennessee Chiefs game, we can, or we can even go into our quarterback changes – which there are going to be a lot of, and we're talking a lot of big, big freaking names, Jacob. Yeah, yeah, let's talk quarterbacks. I want to talk quarterbacks. We've got an interesting offseason coming up. Anytime starting quarterbacks are on the move, it's big because quarterbacks are so important. And so... And it's real big. It's going to be a... I mean, the names out there this year, even despite their age, it's really just amazing. And... You know, I look at some of these names. We're going to go down the list real quick. I, I want your opinion on every one of them. But some of these names, you got you got to think, like like a Ben Roethlisberger. What do you do with him? We're going to get to him. Let me start with Tom Brady real quick, all right, because he's the one that everybody's talking about. He was at the, uh, the UFC fight the other night basically saying that he's packed up and ready to leave New England in not so many words. But I don't believe he's going to be with the Patriots. I do believe that he is going to play in the NFL next year. And I've told you this a couple of times. I believe it's going to be with the Chargers. What do you think? Ooh, I, have, I did think the Chargers were on my mind a lot. You know, there was the the talk that Philip Rivers has moved out of his San Diego home. They've all moved back to Florida, oh. which was apparently the the plan. And so it wouldn't surprise me. Look, he's a Cali guy. It wouldn't surprise me if he wants to go back to Cali and, and live out the rest of his days in LA. There's, they cleared out his suite, etc. Would I be surprised if he was back in New England? No. I think the way it ended was probably not how he would want to go out. It shouldn't matter. Look, the guy has had an incredible career to, to think that, you know, one pick six would, would, would change anything like that. Is is slightly crazy, but it wouldn't surprise me if he went. Mm, I don't want to go out like that. Give me one more shot, and it really comes down to where he is with Belichick and where he is with Robert Kraft. At the end of the day, he will be a free agent. So if they if he wants to go, there's nothing they can do. There's no there's nothing they can kind of do to stop him. But I would probably be. The, 
leaning towards him being back, but if he's not, then LA is certainly the front runner in my yeah, eyes. Yeah, some people threw out the Colts. Um, I don't really like that one. Does doesn't really make much sense to me. I don't think they're Super Bowl ready yet. Although they do have a good team. Um, I, I you know what I really think, man. I think that Tom Brady has really had it with Bill Belichick. They're we know their relationship has been strained for quite some time. Belichick tried to get rid of him a while ago, and thank God that didn't happen. As we know, we got Jimmy G as a result of it. So I think that Tom is done in New England. I think his wife, you know, wants to go to warmer weather and, you know, live out there and do his TB12 thing. So I think he'll be a Charger next year. We'll see, which brings us to the Chargers quarterback of last year in the past 17 years or so, and that's Phillip Rivers. To me, he's done. I think Phillip Rivers is done. I think that he still wants to play football, and I believe that he still could get his starting job. Where? Doesn't seem like it's going to be in L.A. with the Chargers. He did move to Florida, as we said. Now, is there writing on the wall with that? Would he go to the Bucks? Would he go to the Dolphins? Either one of those teams would make sense because Phillip Rivers is not a guy you can plug into a team and say he's going to bring us to the championship. Yeah, like we said, he he's moved back to Florida. He seems like the kind of guy, you know, let's face it, they moved from San Diego up to LA and he, he stayed in his San Diego home. He, he travels every every day up and up and back. So I don't see him moving too far if they want to move back to Florida. And so the Bucks, sure, could make sense. There's a lot of talk. What will they do with Winston? Will they give him his thirty million he wants? Or I mean, a team like the Dolphins, you give him a one-year contract, would make a lot of sense to me, especially if who they want to draft is Tua Tagovailoa. Right. Because, look, he's had that hip injury, and they're saying like he should be fine for April to start throwing and showing teams what he can do. But if he's a rookie, and he might not potentially be 100% fit, why not give a guy like Philip Rivers one year, let Tua sit behind him, let Tua learn, let's not rush him in, and then you can do essentially kind of what the Chiefs did with Mahomes, what the Packers did with Rodgers. Give him a bit of time. There's no pressure on him. And look, yeah, you're not going to put him in and win a Super Bowl. You're not, you know, you can't plug him into a team with that level of talent and expect him to suddenly be great. But what you do kind of put off is the fans just calling for that first round pick that you throw into what could be a very poor situation. And we've seen it in the past. It can really stunt a player's growth going into a situation where they're really not given a chance because of what's around them. So I would be leaning probably Miami for that one for Philip Rivers, but I mean, if could I see him walking away? Quite possibly. I think he still wants to play. So I think he would probably try and get a, a job, especially if he could convince Miami to do no, that. He's probably going to get like one more $50 million contract because he's got 38 kids to support. So he's maybe he's got to <laughs> yeah. do one more of those. But God bless the guy. We'll see what happens with him. Go ahead. One more point on that Brady thing real quick. Um, going to the Chargers. He wants offense. He's got plenty of it there with Keenan Allen's Keenan Allen, excuse me, and Mike Williams, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler. So um, that would be the place oh, if he yeah. wants offense. Philip Rivers, um, yeah, I, I can see him retiring and you know just living out the rest of his life, happy, glory, you know, great farm. I, I don't know what he would do, but 
yeah, the Dolphins, they would make sense to me. You said Jameis Winston, who basically Bruce Arians already said that he's not going to be our quarterback next year. So I highly doubt that. They're not going to franchise him. That doesn't make any sense. So really the question is not where he's going, is does he even have the capability of being a starter anymore? Or is he going to be now a full-time backup in the NFL? I don't know. It's a tough one because, I mean, with him, you get, I mean, you get yards. He's a gunslinger, but you get turnovers, as we quite famously know this season, going the 30 touchdown, 30 interception. And there's a lot of Bucks fans who want to keep him. I don't see it, but there's a lot of Bucks fans. They want to keep him. They would like to have him franchise tag. They want to give him a, another year and see if with one more year under Arians, could he kind of, could he develop? And so with that, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, if that was to happen if, with, with all the pressure, but I, I mean, I'd be taking one of these free agent guys over him if, if I could. And so I just, I, I don't know where, where he goes. He probably go, if he's going somewhere, I could see him going to one of these teams like the Colts where, Look, they got Brissett, but were they thrilled with Brissett this year? No, he did good. He didn't do great. And so you bring in somebody that has the chance to compete with him, kind of like what the Titans did with bringing Tannehill in. You know, they they weren't sure what they wanted to do with Mariota, so they brought in somebody that they knew could start. That's the thing. James Winston can start, and he can play very, very well. And so... It could certainly go to one of these teams to give an option and give some competition to the guy. But the issue for me is he's going to be, if he is a backup, he's going to be, I think he's going to be too expensive as a backup. And so he either needs to lower what he thinks he's worth or someone needs to take a chance. And that's the question is, will someone take a chance? I'm not so sure. I think if Jameis Winston is smart, and I think he is kind of an intelligent guy, actually, to be honest with you, I think that he knows that his options are going to be very limited coming up this year, and he's going to have to take what he can get. He's not going to be a starter, am I? I would be shocked if he's starting for any team other than injury. So we'll see with the Bucs. They got a whole mess of other things. Hey, they got a lot of great players on offense, but – Again, no defense. You have to have defense if you want to win the Super Bowl. You hear that? You guys understand? That's why the 49ers are in it. Get it? That's the point. Moving on. Another guy, Eli Manning, real quick. What in the world's going to happen with him? Is he going to retire? Is he going to stay with the Giants? I doubt that. People are talking about even no. the Colts or the Jaguars for him, but he's got to be done in my eyes. He's done. He's done. There's no, there's no question about it for me. He said he he has already said he won't stay and be the backup to to Daniel right. Jones. And so if that's the case, I don't know where are you going. You'd need to go somewhere where you know you're going to be the starter. Does he want to go somewhere where there's that person again, kind of over his shoulder and probably going to take over at some point, and he just ends up in the same situation he was this week this year? I don't think so. I think. It, it finished off quite nicely for him. He came back for those couple of games when Jones, Daniel Jones was injured. And he won that. He won that game at the end, and just go out like that because he brought them so many good memories. Yeah. The the Giants, and it really, if not for that Daniel Jones injury, could have ended really, really just not well. And so he kind of got a little bit of that redemption there, and had that nice ending. 
go out. You've done it. You did, you know, you did, you've had a, a, had a good career. You got some rings. Walk off into the yeah, sunset for me. I think that's got it. I, you know, I don't see him going anywhere and lighting it up anywhere, doing anything. It's just not going to happen. And you're right. He's not going to be a guy who's going to back up somebody or back up a younger or, you know, start for a younger guy. And then, you know, week six, he comes in and takes over. You're right. That's not going to happen. So if anything, he's going to retire. I think he's going to retire. But his brother, Peyton, he did go on to another team. So we shall see. We don't know. The next one I'm going to link in. We got Andy Dalton who has been with the Bengals for forever now already. And they got the first pick this year. And a lot of people are saying Joe Burrow. So he's likely to be the first pick by the Bengals unless some other team swoops in there and throws the Bengals, you know, three first-round draft picks and four second-round draft picks over the next three years or something like that to move up and get them. And I can see a few teams doing that. I'm not kidding around. But Andy Dalton... If Joe Burrow is the first pick, where does Andy Dalton go? And can he be a starter? And what do you think about his situation? Yeah, the Bengals have already said they've kind of made it clear the first pick isn't really up for sale. Now, obviously, everybody has a price at the end of the day. Do I think Andy Dalton can be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Yes. Do I think Andy Dalton will be a starting quarterback in the NFL? No. But he is one of those players that I think somebody does take a chance on as competition. Would not surprise me if someone like Chicago brought him in mm-hmm. and just said, we're going to battle it out between him and Mitch. And at some point, if Mitch doesn't do so good, maybe they throw in Andy Dalton. And who knows, they ends up in a situation like the Titans did. I feel a lot of teams are going to try and chase that Titans situation. Now, a lot of teams have tried before and it's not come off. Right. So, but... It's, you know, recency bias works its wonders in this league. And so people are going to see what happened there and think if they're struggling, bring in somebody that can compete. And so the Bears are someone I would look at. The Colts are someone I would look at. Um, maybe the Panthers would be someone I we would I would look at. Because, um, again, we don't know what's going to happen with Cam Newton. I imagine he might be on your list as sure. well. Um, the Steelers. Is that someone they look at? Big Ben is sounds like he's you know he's back. He's going to come back this season and will be their starting guy. But you've not got him forever. Every year he's talking about whether he's going to play or not. Maybe he gets hurt again, and instead of fighting it out between Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph for who can be the worst quarterback in the <laughs> league, maybe they have somebody that can actually, actually, actually play. I mean, play might be a a loose term for what happened this season with Andy Dalton, but someone who in their day has played very well. So if someone's taken a chance, I think Dalton is kind of one of the guys I'd most be likely to take a chance. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I think that Andy Dalton does have a shot to be a starter again for a different team. We'll certainly need more weapons. Not having AJ Green this year did not help us cause that at all. So, yep, we'll see where he does end up, but he will be on a team this year. I don't think he'll be a starter. I'm with you on that one, but I think he'll he'll back up and have his chance in the future. You mentioned the Chicago Bears. Wow. Okay, they thought they had their quarterback. They passed up on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes to move up one spot to number two <laughs> to get Mitch Trubisky, who had a very good year last year, uh, relatively speaking, I will say. This year, he pooped the bed. Um, Bear fans don't want him around anymore at all. He's still on his rookie contract. It's not expensive due to the league changing that. 
uh, about 10 years ago. Now they changed that whole entire rookie scale situation. So Mitch Trubisky is a guy that you can say bye-bye to, but I don't think the Bears are ready to say bye-bye to yet. But I think someone who they're ready to say hello to, I've got two guys in mind. One of them you mentioned already is Cam Newton. He could fit well in Chicago, I think, with with, uh, Matt Nagy running some trickery plays, or Teddy Bridgewater. That guy's going to get a job somewhere. I don't believe he's going to be the backup for Drew Brees again this year and wait his turn until Brees decides to retire. I think that Bridgewater is going to get some offers from two or three different teams, and I think the Bears may be one of them, and I can easily see Bridgewater beating out um, uh, what's-his-face from Chicago, uh, Trubisky, for for the starting job. Yeah, Teddy's an interesting one because he had a chance to go be a starter already and decided to be the backup in New Orleans. And he did some good things this year, that's for sure. You know, not losing a game after Drew Brees goes out is is no mean feat at all. So he did really, really well. Was the offense incredible in those games? No. Was the defense? Yes. But I certainly think if he wants starter money, and now is the time he's going to go get it. So if I'm Teddy, I go get that, you know, someone will overpay for him, I think. And so go get a big contract from somebody. And if it doesn't work out, walk off into the sunset. And, you you know, that's probably about as well as it could go right there. Um, and so I certainly do see a team taking a punt on him. But because there will be some team that probably overpays for him, it does have to be a team whose quarterback is likely on a rookie contract because if you're the Colts, you don't want to be paying Teddy however much he's going to want to be paid when you're already paying Brissett how, what he's being right. paid, similar with Cam Newton and the Panthers. And so the Bears certainly would fit in that regard, and it would be a really interesting battle. Nagy did say earlier this earlier this kind of off-season, if we can call it off-season, it was – for the Bears anyway, um, that Trubisky will, should be the starting quarterback next season. And the, the rookie contract is certainly a contributing factor into that. And I, 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 I'm not sure I see them trading for Cam Newton. I, I, don't, I don't think I see that. I, I mean, look, he has been incredible in his time that MVP season, the offense was unbelievable. And so he certainly has the quality to be able to to be exactly what they would want in him. But he struggled with his injuries and what state is his shoulder in? How healthy is he? And is that going to be too much of a risk for Chicago? I mean, I'd be happy to take a risk at this point. It can't go, you know, much worse than it went this season. There was a lot of disappointment, unfortunately, for the Bears. I would, I would probably lean towards Teddy as as kind of a safer option. Let them two battle it out. And if it all goes awful, then go get your guy in the draft. You know, go get Trevor Lawrence. Go get Justin Fields. So I would lean Teddy, but yeah, I'm not sure I see Cam and Mitch, but I would certainly love to see it. Yeah, and I agree. I think that Teddy would be the one. He is the safer pick in my eyes as well. Definitely definitely not as dynamic as Cam Newton when he's healthy, but that's no. the question. Is Cam Newton healthy and you know what's it going to be with him? So he's really one of the last ones I have on my list before I get to a couple of guys in the draft. 
Cam Newton, uh, look, new regime over there in Carolina. I don't know, maybe I don't know, maybe Rob, River, Riverboat Ron Rivera is not happy with Dwayne Haskins and he brings him over to Washington with him. I don't know. Things are up in the air. It could happen. He could stay with the Panthers. I could see him with the Bears. It's very, very possible. I know that would put a lot of butts in the seats, that's for sure. We'll see. We talked about Jameis Winston. Just to get to a couple of guys in the draft real quick, um, the reason why I'm saying that certain teams may want to move up, like look at Pittsburgh. They're a team that's, you know, almost ready to go, you know, and take that next step. Their defense was phenomenal this year. They have a couple of pieces on offense, but nothing at quarterback. Do they want to keep Big Ben around or, and possibly draft a guy like Justin Herbert, if he is still around when they pick or if they do move up and make him their next quarterback is he's kind of the guy that can go to Pittsburgh, maybe Carolina. There's a couple other teams in there, maybe even the Bucks who are in there. Uh, along with Tua and Joe Burrow and, I don't know, Fromm, if he's going to be taken in the first round. But you got a lot of these guys. And between Carolina and Pittsburgh, Chicago, uh, the Chargers, there's so many question marks with what they're going to do with their quarterback situation. You can even throw the Broncos in there unless they're stuck on Drew Locke. We'll see. But Justin Herbert is that guy who I think a lot of teams are going to be fighting for because Tua and Burrow are going to go so early. Yeah, I could certainly see them interested in in Herbert, in in From. One I'm really looking forward to seeing how high or low he goes is Jalen Hurts. He had an unbelievable season this year, played phenomenally well, improved a lot as a passer compared to how he played his time in Alabama after transferring to Oklahoma. And so I wonder, do you see people saying can we use him the same way they use Lamar Jackson I think he's a very I don't think he's the same player personally I think he actually plays the the game quite different Uh, but I could see people say you know trying to trying to get that out of him he's an incredible athlete and I think he will still drop because there's still a lot of people who who believe that the the more athletic quarterbacks are doing it because they can't throw People, you know, said that about Lamar Jackson, but he has improved a lot as a passer. How that translates to the NFL, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see who kind of bites the bullet and and takes a, and takes someone like like Jalen Hurts. So, yeah, if I'm the Steelers, I'm certainly drafting a quarterback. I think you've found your answer this year that Rudolph's not the guy, Hodges is not the guy. And so if at the end of this season... Big Ben decides to hang it up, wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, sorry, as in the season coming, then do you want to be forced into reaching for a guy next year when you could possibly have a go at a guy this year with a bit less pressure and kind of, again, let him go, let him have a year sitting behind him first, and maybe you can develop a guy like Justin Herbert or Jake Fromm. Sure, and that Jalen Hurts situation is really, he's had a whole nother career that's started before pro football. I mean, he's played on 17 different college teams already. You know, he went to Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley and, and had one of his best seasons, but, you know, almost thrown out of Alabama. So weird, but he's played in college and played well. He's always been around. He seemed like a clutch guy. Will it translate to the NFL? I don't know. We will see. We're seeing a lot of shorter coming, shorter as in size, 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", at tops coming into this game and playing well. Even Kyler Murray had a pretty decent year this year. I can see good things coming out of him. 
We have so much more to talk about, Jacob, coming over these next two weeks. It's ridiculous. This is the 49ers Brawl Podcast. I am Jason Fearman with my partner, Jacob Barner, 49er fans, 49ers Brawl Podcast under the Brawl Network. We're just getting really excited. Jacob's going to be down here. We're going to get to hang out. Uh, I'm going to sneak into the Super Bowl, into Miami. I know a few people, so, you know, we'll be there. I'll be. I'll probably be on the field, so I know you're going to be sitting in the stands. I'm sorry about that. I'll be down on the field. <laughs> and I will, patrol, I will be patrolling the streets of uh, South Beach when the 49ers do arrive uh, into their hotels. No doubt about it. So, so much excitement coming up, Jacob. And, again, congratulations to us and all 49er fans. And you know what? Chiefs fans as well. You guys deserve it. It's been 50 years. You got the best quarterback in the game, but you're going to have to deal with the best defense in the game. Here we come. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to breaking it down later in the week for sure. Uh, and I just can't wait. I'm going to go back, you know, scout scout the uh, scout the AFC Championship game. Now I can watch it again with a little bit less pressure, see kind of what they've been doing. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it. But, but for now, hey, we did it. We got there. We're going to be going to South Beach, to Miami. And, yeah, Super Bowl 54. Who would have thought it when we were picking at number two last, well, not even, what, seven, eight months ago? I certainly didn't imagine that come the end of the season, come February, that we would be ready to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. One final note, something I'm very happy to hear is that we know KC will be the home team this year. They will be wearing their red, apparently. And so the Niners have petitioned to the NFL to wear the 94 throwback alternate jerseys. My favorite of all of the alternate jerseys in the NFL. I love it. We wore it against Seattle in week 17. We wore it against... hmm, I can't remember the other game. But... uh, it is certainly my favorite jersey. I was thinking, you know, I said if we got to the Super Bowl, I want to get a, a, a Kittle version of that jersey. Apparently, the NFL so far has said no, but they're still fighting it. Come on, NFL. Have yeah. a heart. Have some fun. I know you like to cramp down on the fun, but <laughs> come on, man. It's the Super Bowl. Let us let us have our fun. And I hope that when we run onto the field, we're in the slick 94 oh throwback jerseys from the year we last won the that's Super Bowl. Right. And it was so beautiful. Yes, I know we wore red jerseys on that day, but that season yeah. is when we broke out that black outline on the numbers. And I remember saying, we finally have cool uniforms. Because we had ugly uniforms, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> I'm like, wow, we got really cool uniforms now. This is so awesome. I, you know, I had a Jerry Rice one. I had a Steve Young one. I, it was great. And yes, to... To go out there in the in the all white oh god the gold pants I I I would love it yes the throwback let's have it it all fits twenty five year anniversary the football gods got to be with us on this one man yes I love the petition that they did that I think it was a great idea and I'm with you favorite uniform of all time yeah absolutely absolutely so we'll see we'll see what comes from that come on NFL you know let us have some fun but for now that's it that's the recap. Conference championships in the bag. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 49ers Brawl. You can also follow us on Facebook as well, 49ers Brawl Podcast, the Brawl Network as well. I am Jacob Barnor. You can follow me on Twitter at JBB Football and my partner, Jason Fearman, at Sports Profit One. That's the number one. 
Be sure to follow us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast wherever you find them, Stitcher, Spreaker, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Be sure to check it out. And yeah, here we come. Super Bowl. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a shout out to the sports column. Um, they, they put our podcast up there. They put our articles up there as well. So you can check it out at thesportscall.com. Again, we really appreciate everybody's support. We're having so much fun with this. And we got so happy and so lucky that when we started this podcast, that we would win every game going on throughout 10. And here we are in the Super Bowl. So let's hope it continues. Breakdown coming up in a few days, guys. We'll, we, we will be back. The 49ers Brawl Podcast, Jacob and I, uh, will have a couple of guests coming up soon. But, man, oh, man, here we go. 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl 54 down here in Miami. Jacob, I can't wait to see you, bro. Oh, I cannot wait. I am looking forward to it's gonna it. It's going to be great, man. going to be great. Oh, yeah. South Beach with the Niners, baby. That's how we're going to do it. We got to make sure they don't get too yeah. drunk, though, okay? You know, we got we to take care of them. got to take care of them. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jacob. Great show as always, my friend, and I will be talking to you soon. Absolutely. Yeah, go go Niners, baby. Go Niners, baby.